This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert. And I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure. Because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Accenture overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Welcome to the Radio Times podcast with me, Kellyanne Taylor. In this series, I sit down on the Radio Times sofa with a different celebrity guest every week to talk all things telly. What do they watch? Where do they watch it? And who do they watch with? Each week, we glimpse into my guest's life as seen through the prism of TV and from the vantage point of their sofas. We also delve into their own glittering careers on screen. This week's guest is the actor Penn Badgley, who rose to fame playing Dan Humphrey in the American teen drama Gossip Girl and is currently starring in Netflix's hit series You. In this episode, Penn talks to me about being a child actor in LA. Your parents need to be supportive. They also need to be a little crazy to be letting you cross that threshold into becoming a professional actor at a young age. And we talk about the impact adults playing teenagers has on young viewers and why the TV industry needs to reassess its portrayal of sex scenes. Pem, welcome to the Radio Times podcast. Thank you for having me. Let's start. First and foremost, what is the view from your sofa? The view from my sofa? You mean here or back home? At home. At home. When you're watching TV. Oh, that's what you mean. Yeah, I, I literally was thinking, I'm like, some... wait, where is my sofa? Okay, it's there, and I'm thinking of my view, and I'm thinking, okay, there's a window. <laughs> <laughs> what is the view from my sofa? That is the most elegant way to ask somebody what they're wa- watching on television. That w- that's where we're going. Yeah. Um, what is the view from my sofa? Uh, you know, recently, like, I sat on the remote when I was reading something with my my toddler. I have a 14-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old, and, the, um, and we, we don't watch a lot of TV with him at all, and he doesn't yet understand or know that I'm, you know, on TV. Except, so I sat on the remote and Netflix came on 
just the opening screen, and my fa- my huge face was right there. And he goes, "That's Daddy." That's daddy, and he like, it, and and I was looking for the remote because I knew the preview would start to play, and then I was like, "Where's the remote? Where's the remote?" <laughs> I'm like looking all around for it because that's not a good preview for a two and a half year old to see, especially when he thinks it's his father. Um, so that is uh, that was the most recent view. Like that happened just that a few was... days ago. We watched. Here's where we sound so basic. <laughs> we watched the voice. The, we watched the UK no, or no, no, US the, version? No, the, U, the US version. I don't know if you're familiar with the US version, but we watched the US version because it's it really makes the most sense for all the age gaps. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and um and actually there's a spirit to it that that is that is incredibly yeah wholesome and 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 sweet and it and we all love music and so it's just it's just nice to see people singing. My mother thinks that I am the best person in the world and um she wants you to go on the voice doesn't she yeah I have yeah. the worst singing voice in the world <laughs> and um she plays a game well she tells me that if I was on the voice I would win um or that someone would turn around for me it's not sure, true sure. however she plays so she turns around so she plays along and then she'll you know physically move herself around so she watches it so you know wow. the voice is it's a lovely, it's, wholesome it clearly, watch. It clearly inspires a lot of people, and we, yeah, we like it. the the only things I watch with my um, with my two and a half year old are are The Voice and Planet Earth. Oh my god, Planet Earth! Yeah. Epic. Yeah. Okay, talk me through your living room setup. Do you have big sofa, big screen, very minimalist? Can you hide the mm-hmm. TV? Mm-hmm. No, actually, my wife. At some point, she. Got this TV. She switched our TVs without checking with me, which is fine. Shout out to my wife. Hey, baby. It's huge, but it is flat. It's very, very, very flat. It's like one of these ones that can look like a, a, a you know, picture frame. Love it. Yeah. And um, but you're so scared to knock. I'd just be terrified to have that. In well, my- no, I mean, it's, 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 it's very secure on there. And it, so okay. these pictures come up that look like art. And that's beautiful kind of you know it's kind of nice it's kind of nice but it but it's it's to me it's a disconcertingly like when i'm when we're watching it sometimes my eyes hurt personally and i turned i turn the brightness away. i sound like an 80 year old man by the way which which actually reminds me no judgment the third thing that we watch with our youngest is um amazing grace the 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 aretha franklin uh like documentary that's all of her her gospel songs because he loves her gospel songs so that's oh, just that's yeah, that's <laughs> so i was going to ask you who controls the remote in your household but it it sounds like it might be. It's the children. When you have children, it's really the children who control the remote. They get what and they, they want. should, by the way. They mm-hmm. shouldn't control it. You should be watching everything with them in mind and you control it. Right? That's like control like sounds this. kind of extreme in that case. But yes, okay. Come on, some discipline, guys. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing but lax parenthood around. No, you no, they're not gonna tell us what they want to watch. They're gonna sh- they're gonna share what they would prefer. Yeah. And then we find the thing that will sort of keep everyone interested. And so far, that's well, to be honest, our fourteen-year-old is sort of frustrated with that. He's like, "It's it's basketball for him." Okay, is there anything that you loathe on TV that if it comes on, you think loathe? Oh. No, no. I mean, loathe is a strong no. I, well, okay. So to be real, most reality, most reality television mm-hmm. is just hard for me. Yeah, most television is hard for me. I, I've been making it over two thirds of my life now. Yes, and um, I see the formulas so immediately. There's so few things that I can enjoy, to be honest. Really? Um, yeah, really. Okay, what was the last thing you enjoyed? <sighs> I think it was The Crown, actually. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Nice. yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah. Okay. Again, again, I may, I may still be an 80-year-old man. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to take it back to childhood and talk me through your first ever TV memory. Huh. So the first things that come to mind are all the Nickelodeon 
shows of the <laughs> 90s, like Rocco's Modern Life, um, All Real Monsters, all that. Mm. You're younger than me. so you Yeah, Nickelodeon was banned in my household. Yeah. Banned in your yeah, household? Yeah, I started speaking with an American accent. And my parents were like, Karen, you're watching too much TV. Wow. Yeah. Wow, okay. It went too far. Yeah, Should so, have been parental guidance. Yeah, right, right. Didn't happen. Um, yeah, it was, it was all those Nickelodeon shows. Mm. Like, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, those are those are the ones. First television, I think that's it. Yeah. When did you know that you wanted to become an actor? Ah, uh, when I, the opening night of the first play that I was in. Um, beyond, I'd said had I had done some stuff in school, but when I did community theater, for the first time, I was nine, I think, and um, opening night, I had like a significant. I was like the only main role for a child in a play for adults. And uh, it was just just the, the experience of being a, in a cast, I think, mm -hmm. that communal experience, people of all ages, kind of, you know, and sometimes all walks of life. That was, that was, I think, the thing that I responded to most. Yes, the craft and the art is definitely something that um, I was drawn to, but that can't be all because... It's so collaborative. You have to really love being with the people too, you know. And you say you were nine when you first yeah. got into it. So how do you even begin then to break into the industry? You know, were parents supportive? Parents happy for you? What yeah, happened I school? mean, yeah, at that age, you, 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 your parents need to be supportive. They also need to be a little crazy to, yeah, to, sure. to, to be cool. letting you cross that threshold into becoming a professional actor at a mm. young age. It's definitely not, not advisable for, for virtually all all parents. And I think, you know, I've said this before, it's no secret. Uh, when, when any child is going into the business, as you say, past a certain point. Mm -hmm. Now, I think if kids are going to performing school, you know, yeah. performing arts schools and, and then they're studying and then they really do the professional mm -hmm. thing later, I think that's a bit different. But when you get kids going to LA at like, you know, five or nine or 10 or 12 years old, almost across the board, it's because the parents probably are splitting up. Right. I'm not kidding. It's like it's it's almost across the board. They may not ever, or it may have already happened, but there has to be some kind of reason to leave. You okay. know what I'm saying? So there has to be a reason to leave. And then what Hollywood is 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 actually both. Uh, it's it's like an, it's like an escape, and also uh, it's an oasis. You know, it's like it's like a dream. You're yeah. kind of living out a dream with one of your parents, and that is um. It, there there. Are, it's a it's a complex thing, and the reason I'm giving you this length and depth of an answer is because the truth is, I mean, you look at the kind of case studies we have of child actors, we know well, yeah, that's not a good thing, right? So I think yeah. we should recognize why it's not a good thing, as opposed to just being like, oh, it's not a good thing. You know, it's 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 because to uproot your life and to yeah to just make this drastic decision where the child is usually going to be taken out of school a lot. Yeah, because surely there's no consistency there. As None, in, yeah. you know, if you get taken for a part, you're going to yeah, be that's, pulled out yeah, of school. Right, exactly. And a school's okay with that? Well, it depends on what school you're going to. Okay. And so then um, kids usually end up going to these kinds of schools that are okay with it, but guess what? They're not really schools. Yeah. You know, okay. and so then, and so I didn't really personally have much of an academic path after 12 years old. Okay. You know, I didn't go to high school, went to high school for like three weeks after having already tested beyond high school in order to work her. adult hours. And I, you know, and I grew up alongside people who have lived, we, we all lived the story of like, I think why you shouldn't do this. <laughs> right. Does it become kind of an environment where it's easy to be influenced or yeah. it, there's lots of distractions or things that, you know, for, for the average person, you know, I grew up in 
in not this environment. Yeah, right. You know, I right. got the bus to school, did did my hours, and then yeah. went home and you know started drinking it like eighteen or whatever. Yeah. Okay, a little bit younger. Sorry, mum. But you know, <laughs> um, I didn't have this kind of like high life. So surely there's also that excitement. Well, yes, but the excitement is completely superficial, to be honest. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I mean, yeah, what is the excitement drinking earlier oh how exciting <laughs> how lovely you can get started early my dear <laughs> um yeah i mean so 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 here I'll, I'll give you the most positive spin and then you know maybe we could tap into the other one it was a true joy to experience culture through art mm. now i'm not saying that's what you get when you're like starring in TV shows as a kid. In fact, I think as a kid, uh, that's, and starring in a show, that's really not what's happening. But as yeah. you, as you get into it and you are hopefully like, you know, you're, you're also studying a craft and not just trying to become a, a famous like TV yeah, actor or whatever, which by the way, is not always like, sometimes that's just what kids are doing and they're not really exploring the craft, yeah, the art okay. of it. But if you're, if you are exploring the art and craft of it, well then actually you're learning. Yeah. You're you're constantly learning. You're constantly reading. You're performing. You're trying. You're failing. You're learning how to how to weather rejection. Probably too much, but yes. you know. But but there are incredible life lessons that are there. Yeah. It's just that they come along with such other toxic lessons that I think that you can't really say. Like what? Well, first, I do just want to say that it would it would just, it would simply be naive to think that oh, this is just good. Yeah, it's just a good course. thing for somebody to do. Oh, how nice it is that you got started young, you know? So, so, I, so yeah. just to be clear about that. And some of those toxic things, I mean, I, you know, body image uh, yeah. right there at the top, especially for girls, especially for girls. I mean, yeah. again, how many more case studies do we need to see? Well, I listened to your podcast with Leighton yesterday. And in it, she was saying this thing, which is something that everyone struggles with. But she was saying, you know, we live in this society where everything we create is or everything that's thrust upon us is for a product. It's, mm -hmm. it's a yeah. capitalism. And it's and when 
for her, she was obviously involved in it in the sense that people would turn around and say, you know, you need to look like this or you need to dye your hair or whatever in a way that, you know, someone outside of that isn't going to maybe have directly thrust upon them. But you're going to get comments more so than anyone else, you know, even with the kind of growth of social media, which perhaps I don't think maybe was as big of a thing when you got cast as... Damn, Damn. certainly. I mean, it was just becoming a thing. But then also you had the dealing with the papers more, I guess, or the kind of weekly magazines that were coming out. So what was that like? Well, I mean, there's a lot there. I think um, nobody anticipated how social media would effectively be the... It was putting the... It was, it was putting the power of the paparazzi in the hands of the individual and then the individual wielding it on itself, Yeah, which is strange. Mm. Nobody anticipated that, the turning around of the camera, you know, like, yeah. oh, I'm going to do this to myself now. Yeah, okay. That Gossip Girl doesn't even have the same relevance uh, in some ways, you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't—the whole point of Gossip Girl was that she was spying on people— she doesn't need to spy on people mm-hmm. with with social media. You know yeah. what I mean? Like people are it, they're just doing just it. Letting you know, just letting you know, telling you what's happening. <laughs> so I, we did go through that at a really interesting, unique time. Yeah, and that was the era. I mean, this was now me growing up. Yeah, but like you know, all of those shows, Nine Two One Zero, The OC, One Tree mm. Hill, these kind of American yeah. dramas that made you feel crazy things about like oh my god that's what it's like to be older and mm. this is what's Much going older, on because we were all like 25 yeah well <laughs> i had um i'd say my january early life crisis happened because i was watching cheaper by the dozen which is supposed to be a feel-good film and it is um but then i started realizing that the people that were playing teenagers that when i was a kid watching mm-hmm. it i was like oh that they're so old. And now yeah. I'm looking at them and I'm like, oh my God, they're my age. I couldn't play that person because well, they're sure. way older. Sure, but it's not way older. You know what it is, is that being a teenager is you're still so plastic. You're still growing so mm. much. And sort of, I think there's something that we, we don't give a lot of attention to, but is surprisingly odd that we depict teenagers, again, who are still so, they're growing, you know? We take people who've grown, yeah, and and put them in those positions. So therefore, all the things that they're doing, typically sex, drugs, all that stuff. Yeah. it's less funny. It's less exciting when you actually see teenagers doing it. Yes, you know? and so that's to me that's the thing about that that is like um, it is uh, it's something that we're work- we're working with. You know, it's like it's something that we have to become conscious of. It, yeah, you know, it's not. It's not altogether the worst thing in the world, but it's just something you have to be mindful of. But what influence do you think that's having then on viewers? You know, on kids watching it. Yeah, well, so... Thinking, I mean, like, should I look like that? Yeah, yeah, age? yeah. I and mean, it is happening more to boys. Something that I've noticed is now something that's become even more prevalent is the body image for boys. Look, when I was that age, when I was 13, 14, growing, I mean, I had full body dysmorphia be, because I was in the business, and so therefore it was like it was so much more magnified for me. Um, you know, and it was the source of surprising amount of despair and 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 you wouldn't think that looking at the the kid that I was and that's so I think what what you know you're getting at here is like there is I guess there's now more data showing us that boys struggle with it I wonder if it's getting to the point where it's almost just as much I mean there's no doubt that that young that girls have faced something unique like we don't want to forget that but um but I do think that boys are now there's just such image consciousness because there's images yeah. surrounding us, you know? And it's yeah. like, and I don't really feel like 
there are there's rarely 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 ever you know some consciously bad person trying to you know turn yeah, these course. dials and stuff this is just a product of the way that we think and make things and tell stories about ourselves and so you know what what is the what is the antidote or what is the sort of the positive opposite i think letting younger people tell their own stories in some way i think is maybe a a, a good thing like you have so many adults writing stories mm-hmm. about youth and then casting adults and it's like guys this is not the way young people yeah. act yeah. It's not what it looks like when they do do that. It's not what it feels like when they do do that. You know, that I think would be positive. After Gossip Girl, firstly, if you sign on to a project of that longevity, mm-hmm. are you then more likely to go to for film or something that's kind of less long-term, less yeah. commitment in terms of your shooting? Yeah, so after Gossip Girl, I did. I mean, I did a series of independent films that all had really good scripts, really good casts, really great directors. And then they were all a bit hamstrung by a budget. So therefore, it was like I did one project after another where I saw increasingly, like me thinking as a producer, like I saw what kind of story gets money, what kind of story doesn't. And so more and more I saw, hmm, you know, the kind of stories that I'm interested in telling, they're not really getting greenlit in the same way. They're not getting the same kind of budget. So then I actually turned entirely towards music. Yes. While I still could, while I was still living off that gospel girl check, (laughs) you know? And uh, did that for about four years. So that, so yes, I mean, the you know, the answer to your question is, after Gossip Girl, I did not want to sign a contract for another show, probably ever. Yeah, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I struggled with this one in in, yeah. in, the, in the decision, knowing full well that possibly what could happen, what has happened, could have happened. Have happened. Right? Yeah, yeah, of course. So the longevity of this show. Because yeah. when you went in, did they say, okay... Well, you signed a six-year contract. Right. So that's probably what people don't think about and isn't really that interesting except for, you know, you can't make a short term. You're not allowed to. Yeah. And then that obviously impacts those around you. This is not just a decision for yeah, you. Yeah, it's a decision for your family. Yeah. You know? And location shooting. So in this yeah, we have series. Different, different city every season, which has been, you know, phenomenal. How did you During find? COVID, by oh, the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a wild What ride. a treat. <laughs> yeah, every season has been so different. My wife and I were just reflecting on that uh, this past weekend. We were like thinking about how the impact, you know, we were thinking positively, but like just thinking about the impact that the, the show has had on, on our family because I'd never had to make a professional decision that would impact my family. I, before that, I didn't have a family, really. And we were sort of marveling at, like, how distinct every season has had and the different, like, yeah. kind of gifts and 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 challenges that came along with it. Um, and, you, you know, look, that's anything you do for... You do anything for six years. You're going to have yeah. highs, lows, everything in between. Mm-hmm. So what was it like filming in London? I love it here. Yeah. I love filming here. And this area... Laughly. Yeah, right. We're in Soho, by the yeah. way. <laughs> Listeners, we're here. I, for a second, I was like, where are we? I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's gorgeous. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah in the world, yeah, yeah. some would argue. I, I actually, I know that my, my wife and I right now, we, we, we would love the change of London, but moving here seriously is not, is not in the, is not in the near future for us, but we do love it here. Well, I will recommend Finsbury Park as an area, should you ever be looking. It's very lovely. That's one that I don't feel like I recall. Where is it? It's near King's Cross. It's okay. like north, but very You guys lovely. talk about neighborhoods here like they're so... They're, they you such talk about a them like they're, like they're bigger and further away from each other. Yes. Yeah, so like, oh, no, no, no. That's, that's <laughs> it's like, oh, you mean it's right over there. Yeah, it, it took me about 18 yeah, minutes to get right. there. <laughs> so um, we can enjoy that. Anyway, so let's come on to you. So let's start with... 
does playing your character ever become hard to shake off when you're filming and you play a serial killer? Mm -hmm. Does that ever linger on you? Um, Past the end of the shoot day. Yeah, I, I think the way that it lingers is more like just the energy that it takes. Yeah, it's not for me. I don't. I'm not method in the way that um, I'm not so in there in this like. I think the way people imagine acting is like you know you get into some other state of mind and then you're like you know thinking differently and maybe that's true for some people. That's not the way I ever 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 experience it. I, and I personally think we're kidding ourselves that we can actually think like someone else. No, that's you going through a whole exercise yeah. to feel as though you're thinking like someone else, yeah. but you're still very much you. It's impossible to not be you. And so I work with it in a very different way. That's uh, to me a bit, it's more, it's like spiritual in that um, I want to take into account all the things, even the camera. I want to know what I'm doing, exactly what I'm doing, and actually have a totally spontaneous response if I can to all of it. Okay. And then say the things that I'm saying and and do the things that I have to do, which then actually, you know, your nervous system even does, like when you have to fake strangle somebody, your nervous system doesn't quite know that you're not strangling somebody. Or when you see a bunch of fake blood and you're stabbing somebody and it's coming out and it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're not, you're, you're, your physical system is not used to seeing something visceral like that happen and it being fake. So then it does take a toll and you do there is an intensity that naturally I'm carrying around just while I'm at work. But I don't take it so seriously that um, that like it's a mindset that I have to somehow get out of, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think it's just hard to stop thinking, actually. Yeah. Okay. It's just because it is a, such an analytical and uh, critical character and that's maybe it. You've spoken before about or you've spoken out about kind of a lot of the broadcasters or the streaming services taking and fictionalizing serial killers mm. and the problems that that can cause. <laughs> and also, you know, I've seen um, you replied to a tweet of someone saying, you know, kidnap me, please, saying, no, thanks, yeah. you know, and trying to make sure that there's a distinction between fiction and reality, but how do you handle that side of the job or the role in in terms of do you ever feel a responsibility? Yeah, no, I do. I mean, again, my thinking is that anybody in my position has one. You have everybody has a responsibility. Yeah, everybody's got it. Yeah, everybody's got one. Two, not just themselves. Two, to some degree, everyone around them. Mm -hmm. The fact that that circle for me extends to in some way, shape, or form a whole lot of people. And I'm not saying that, like, I don't ever want to overestimate the influence of celebrity. I think we should actually take it down a couple notches with that. But but there is a responsibility. You just, you simply have it. Whether you choose to acknowledge it is, that's that's a different story. But, like, mm -hmm. to act as though someone in my position doesn't have a responsibility, like, that's absurd. Yeah. That's like a parent not taking care of their, well, it's not the same. But it's like, you yeah. have the responsibility, whether or not you choose to accept it as a public responsibility. Yeah. yeah, to some degree. And all I think that is is like, hey, let's not act like this is the most important thing in the world. Yeah. There are other things, you know. Let's um let's let's remember this is a, a, a fantastical storytelling exercise for a reason. Yeah. It has to have a reason. Like we're thinking about things deeply here at some point. I would hope you don't just want to disconnect. You don't just yeah. want to Netflix and chill. You know, like You've got there's there's meaning to it, right? There's 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 a reason that all of us spend six months a year, twelve to fourteen hours a day, yeah. if not more, making this story. It's not just 
fluff, you know? And the creators of the show think about this stuff so deeply. They always make it, like, incredibly emotionally resonant at the end of every season, like, no matter how crazy it gets. Yeah. And there's a reason, because it is, like, a worthwhile exercise and exploration. And so I just try to help people remember that, because the viewer does that work themselves, you know? I try to hold them in high regard and respect the viewer utmost. Um, so I think when people come at me with that stuff, it was just, it was also kind of funny for a bit to play cultural referee, you know, and yeah. I, I'm not doing it as much now. Now I'm, um, Abstain. every, yeah. <laughs> now, now, now every aside I have about Netflix is that I'm, I'll take it up with Netflix. <laughs> you do that. So I want to talk to you about this, but I'm aware that it's been spoken about. So I think let's keep it brief and, f- sure, and sure, sure. chat about something different. Sure. So I want to talk about the on-screen nudity and intimate scenes yeah. and, before I started working at my current job, I did kind of an investigation into on-screen nudity and spoke to a number of actors about their experiences. And many of them had somewhat positive experiences and others had, you know, a few horror stories and things like that. You've obviously said that you'd prefer not to do them. Do you think it's important that actors that have a profile, Amelia Clark has also come out and said that, you know, she would prefer not to do them, when you have a profile and you have a platform for younger actors, because something that I realized when I did that investigation and I did that research was that a lot of young actors felt that the director was God or that if they Mm. said no in advance, then they wouldn't be given the role. So, you know, do we need to be unpacking it from that stance as well, as in terms of it's not just about on-screen nudity and, and sex. It's actually more about how the industry approaches it and what happens if you don't want to be a part of that. Of course, yeah. Yeah. I mean, me stating that boundary also naturally means that I'm interested in stories that just simply depict it in a different way. Yeah. Do you think it's got more graphic as we've, as yeah, time? I, mean, I think everything has. Every, yeah. Everything's gotten more graphic. You know, I mean, somebody asked me to like, uh, well, why just, the, why just the sex? Why not the violence? It's like, yeah, sure, the violence too. Yeah. <laughs> All of it. I'm just saying, look, when it comes to this simple boundary of human boundary. Yeah. Of the only thing that is real when you simulate it is touching or kissing somebody. That's a very simple fact. If I'm sta- if I'm fake stabbing somebody, I'm not actually killing them. Yeah. That's okay. We can do that. Look, if if somehow the role really calls for it and it's necessary, okay, fine, whatever. Do I also want to play a serial killer for the rest of my life? No. To, to me, this statement has been magnified. And it, look, it's interesting and I could go there and all that stuff. But at the same time, it's kind of like normal and I think should be normalized. And it's somewhat innocuous. It's like, look, I, I have a personal preference and... It is what it is. Uh, And I hope that as time goes on, you know, I'm not essentially hypocritical. So it's like, we'll see. I think that it really should be unpacked from from sort of every perspective. I mean, I think directors should think about it. Writers should think about it. Producers, actors. I mean, actors are, especially in the beginning, actors have no power. Like, I'm not not asking people to cry about power here or cry for actors. I think, like, actors in the beginning are complete pawns. You know, Mm -hmm. you have no agency whatsoever. And only as you get more and more successful do you have what you could call agency. And even then, it's quite controlled and it's quite, like it's yeah. it's in a narrow spectrum but within that spectrum you have a lot of it so you know i finally felt comfortable to say hey uh this is where i'm at how does that sound to you and their response was you know really rewarding and, and encouraging well thank you very much yeah thank for coming you for on the radio times podcast yeah. Thank you for listening to the Radio Times podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If there's a guest you'd love to hear us interview, a program you've heard us talk about that has marked your life, or any other thoughts you'd like to share, please do write in to podcast at radiotimes.com. 
please also remember to rate, review and subscribe.